0: You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 75, and today is a big subject. It's all about menopause, that life phase we all dread, and yet we all go through. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to Simple Ruth Radio, the place to get healthy, live happy, and find joy. I'm your host, Alexa. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode and for sticking with me through this hormonal series. I'm so glad you're here. Today is such an insightful episode, and I can't wait for you to hear what Cynthia Thurlow has to say. Cynthia Thurlow is a nurse practitioner, entrepreneur, and functional nutritionist. She once worked in clinical medicine, both in the ER and in the cardiology department for over 20 years, and yet she decided to make this slow transition into a more natural approach to life and really understanding the body and helping people to feel better in the preventative field. Today, Cynthia and I are going to break down menopause, and I have to tell you, That I looked and I looked and I looked for information on menopause and perimenopause and postmenopause and even andropause, which is the male's form of menopause, and I just didn't find a ton of information. Now there is great information out there, but it's not a well-talked-about topic. It's, I guess, one of those topics that we always just kinda know is going to happen, and yet we really don't think about it until it's here, until we're suffering with hot flashes, and mood swings, and skin changes, and weight fluctuations, and all these things that so many of us fear for so long, and yet we hit it, and then we don't know what to do. So today, I'm gonna ask Cynthia All the deep questions about menopause and how we can really heal and prevent it. So even if you're younger, menopause is the way off. We're talking about prevention. And if you're living in the heat of the moment, literally, she's got tons of information for you. I'm gonna be asking her all the information on how you can heal. So today I'm gonna ask Cynthia, what is menopause? Do we really have to suffer? What are some practical steps that we could take to prevent it and if we're in it, to heal from it? And what about hormone replacement therapy? We're digging into all of it today and I can't wait to get started. But before we get to the show, I just have one quick announcement. If you have been following along for a while, then you know I have a five-day hormonal reset. This program is one of my favorite courses that I've ever created because it's simple. It's five days. That's it, right? Like, it's not a 30-day program, which is really, really great, but this is just a quick five-day pick-me-up that you can do and feel better than you have in a long time. I promise, you can see massive changes in just five days by giving your body the space and the right environment to do the job that it was designed. Now, the reason that I created the five-day hormonal reset was because I was really suffering and I needed a pick-me-up, but... I didn't wanna do it with crazy prescriptions and enormous amounts of supplements. Like, I just wanted to reset my hormones by resetting my life, by backing up, slowing down, and providing the space to do the job that it was designed to do. I didn't wanna live for my health, but rather live with my health. And I can assure you, this is the course for you if you're looking for something like that. No matter what hormonal stage you're in, if you're male or female, this program can work for you because it doesn't just look at one specific hormonal fluctuation, one specific hormonal disease, but it looks at just hormones in general and providing the right environment and the right space for it to fire and to function and to communicate well so that you can start working with your body instead of against it. So if you're interested in learning more about the five-day hormonal reset, I promise it's a great investment. You have it for the rest of your life and there's a 100% money-back guarantee if you're not happy with it you must check out my five-day hormonal reset. It is a great investment in your health and it shows you how to break down your life, how to exercise, what to eat, what things not to eat, and it gives you a full meal plan and lifestyle guide so you can know how to make the most of this five days. You can get all the information about the five-day hormonal reset, more testimonials, more information about it, and how to sign up over in the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 075. Okay, now let's get back to the show with Cynthia. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. This is a topic that I've been looking for the perfect expert to come on, and I feel like we crossed paths at the perfect time. So I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to dive into menopause and perimenopause and postmenopause and all these phases of menopause. And I know that there's so many questions circulating it. And there's a lot of fear too about it, you know? And we were just talking before the show and you said it best of like, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, you just kind of think that menopause is something that's going to happen, but we kind of try to not think about it maybe, you know, like Mm -hmm. we try not to make it a reality (laughs) because I feel like there is so much unknown, like there's not a lot of talk about it. And it's this whole chapter of a woman's life that I feel like they just kind of walk into the dark without a lot of information or a lot of support. Um, and and so I appreciate you being here, but I want to know what, like, can you define what menopause exactly is and like the different phases of what people talk about when they introduce menopause?
1: Yeah. I mean, and those are great questions. And I, and I think, you know, first and foremost, it's the lack of information, lack of support that women definitely feel as they're kind of getting closer to that time period in their lives. But from a Western medicine perspective, menopause is defined as a cessation of a woman's reproductive ability, Mm -hmm. the opposite of when our periods start. So menopause is when, um, if you think about it, you know, our bodies are no longer um, menstruating every month. We're no longer having periods. Um, It is the permanent cessation of the primary functions of the ovaries. And so for many people, that becomes kind of a spiritual awakening. I think for some people they may feel that it's freedom, you know, they don't have to worry about getting pregnant anymore. Um, more often than not, I see it as women um, holding on to their youth, uh, people feeling conflicted about the ability they can no longer procreate. So I think it brings up a lot of not only physiologic, um uh, issues for women, but I think it brings on, on a lot of psychological concerns as well. So I think it really harkens back to you know I always I was just talking about this on social media this morning that um, you know this air of mystery on social media. But I think for a lot of women, uh, women are so highly sexualized on social media that when women kind of enter the stage, they feel like they're less than. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of what um, I think it's it's so wonderful that. You want to have um, someone talking about this, but also making people more aware that you know this is a natural progression of life. It is not meant to be a negative time in our lives. It's meant to be a time to be embraced and uh, actually cherished because it's it's kind of a new awakening for many people.
0: Right? Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I think you know, being a younger female, I have this notion, even in the health world, you know, like knowing mm-hmm. so much about hormones of what everyone says menopause is like, and you. You mm-hmm. almost developed this fear of like, mm, like I'm not I'm not ready for that. But on the other all hand, right. yesterday I was reading um, just about the differences between men and women's hormones because I think that's like a fascinating subject in general mm-hmm. and like how we try to pick all these recommendations the same and we're just totally two totally different beast kind of. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just said in there that, you know, when a woman goes through menopause, uh, that's often when their career takes off and, mm-hmm. um, when they have more drive and when, you know, they're, they're more excited to get out of the home and adventure and explore. And I was like, wow, like they're putting menopause in a really, really great category mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think,
1: you know, I'm in my 40s and I make no, um, I I don't keep that as a hidden mystery. But I know when I was in my 20s, in particular, when I was doing my medical training, I thought all the women in their 40s were crazy. That's the irony. You know, here it is. Now I'm there and I'm like, I kind of get some of that. But I also think um, it is just a a time in in many women's lives where they have these rich, um, you know, friendships again with other females they have a lot more um, ability because their kids are in school that they can you know, throw themselves into a career or something that they're really passionate about. So I, I think you know it, it's the way that we view the world that is so important and so paramount. And with a lot of my clients, ironically, who are in the same stage of life that I'm in, um, or even a little bit older, it's really helping them reframe their perspectives on how to view themselves, view their bodies view their relationships with their significant others um, very differently and in a very positive light, because that's really what it should be about, as opposed to, like you mentioned, and like I used to think about like, oh my gosh, the closer I get to menopause, I'm just going to be this dried up. Uh, hot flash and you know, right. crazy woman, um, and, and there are reasons why those things happen, which again all go back to hormones. Uh, but you know, viewing it as a, as a positive and not a negative, and that's that's always my my focus.
0: Right, right, yeah. It's just a, a new life stage. Just kind of like you know, when you look at the hormones, there's two big segments of that when we go through puberty, and then when we go through menopause. Which women aren't the only ones; men go through andropause, which has Absolutely. has generally been referred to as those midlife crises, but we all go through those changes. But okay, I really want to get into the hormonal aspect of that because I know that's what so many people are interested in. Before we do there, what's the difference between perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause, like hormonally?
1: Um, Yeah. so, So what starts to happen? So perimenopause is the 10 years preceding when we stop menstruating. And so, what starts to happen, and that could be people start having that occur in their 30s. You know, we have a lot of premature ovarian failure, but for most people, perimenopause starts in your 40s. And you know, from the very basics, we know that you have a shortened follicular phase. So that's the the first 14 days of a normal menstrual cycle, where our bodies are very estrogen rich. That's when we're developing a follicle. If if we're you know we're destined to get pregnant. Um, or we may have no dominant follicles, so our bodies are definitely kind of getting this point. They're a little, I always say it's like running out of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, we might not get a trigger to increase estrogen, you know, during that follicular phase. Um, there are all these other hormones like luteinizing hormone may not be triggered properly. Um, we may not even trigger ovulation. You know, people can have these anovulatory cycles where, um, they're not even releasing an egg. So if people are trying to get pregnant during this time period, it can be really kind of awkward, Or there may be absolutely no ovulation at all. And as progesterone kind of declines, um, there's no thickening of the uterine lining um, or sloughing, which will trigger um, menstruation. And if you think about it, you know, all these, the, the delicate endocrine system always kind of starts in the brain. So I always explain. That you know, whether it's thyroid or adrenals or sex hormones, um, this is always regulated by the pituitary gland in the brain. And so you have two key hormones there that are involved in, um, you know, kind of signaling uh, sex hormones. And one is uh, follicular stimulating hormone, the other is luteinizing hormone. And so if the negative feedback system between the ovaries and the brain are, is at all disrupted, that can impact menstruation as well. And so touching on menopause, that's actually when Um, women have gone an entire year without having a period and so sometimes what will happen during perimenopause people will have very heavy periods or they may go three or four months without having a period that's definitely a sign that, that menopause is coming they're just not there yet so menopause is defined as that time when we are no longer actually having menstruation for an entire year and so the interesting thing is that when um, a woman with an intact uterus has gone a year without any menstrual flow at all, she is considered to be one year into post-menopause. So that's kind of the distinction. Okay. When you, yeah, so that, that's where I always say, if you haven't had a period in a year, then you're in menopause. If you've kind of stopped and started for a couple of years, you're in perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Um, but that perimenopausal period can you know, last as long as 10 years. So there's definitely people in their latter 30s, mid-30s, early 30s that can be impacted by
0: that. And is perimenopause when all these symptoms start to occur? The symptoms that I think people really fear of weight gain and dryness and mm-hmm. um, hot flashes and the the mindset. And, and more importantly, do we have to go through that? Like, is that it, like, you know, like when we think about PMS now, we think that that's something that we all go through. But really, at the end of the day, we have a lot of control over that. Is, is mm-hmm. menopause the same way?
1: You know, it's interesting because I have seen such a wide variety of people that are in perimenopause and menopause. And I honestly think if if people get it, when I say people, if women get it right before they go through menopause, and by that I mean um, if they fine tune in on supporting hormones, and, and that's a lot of the work that we do is supporting female hormonal health. Um, if you're doing that adequately, you are less likely to experience the hot flashes, the vaginal dryness, the you know urinary incontinence, the um, you know your chronic urinary tract infections, and things like that impact sleep. Because if your sleep's impacted, I, I think that's foundational. Mm-hmm. If your sleep is impacted, you're going to be miserable <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's not like being 20 years old and being in college. If you're in your latter 40s and you can't sleep well night after night after night, it's going to have significant impact and burden on your life. So. To answer your question, I think that um, there are lots of things that we can do kind of proactively to lessen the likelihood that we're going to have these significant hormonal shifts. Um, What I find, however, is that a lot of people – Um, they, they, they kind of get lumped into this, you know, you're 40, you've gained weight, you're at a certain age. So therefore, you know, you're just at a certain age. So you should just accept you've gained 20 pounds. And and I I just don't buy into that. Um, I I just think that that perspective and that mindset, which oftentimes is exacerbated by a lot of my, um, well-meaning Western medicine trained friends. Uh, it, it, it just really does a disservice to people because that the, all of those cognitive impact uh, that that happens related to progesterone and estrogen in the body um, weakening um, can make people profoundly depressed. And so there, there are definitely things that we can do to support uh, bodies as they're aging in a proactive manner that don't involve doing crazy. Excuse me, don't involve doing crazy, crazy things.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of what some of those things are? Because I think that's a big question that everyone wants Um, to
1: know. Yeah. And so, you know, I I like to focus a lot on the adrenals. Uh, You know, the one thing that I like to explain is that, yes, as our ovaries are producing less progesterone and estrogen, the thing to really think about is that the net impact on your adrenals is pretty substantial. So if you, if your adrenals, which are designed to be an emergency backup system in the body, if they're being drawn upon to, you know, to be producing more progesterone, it's already putting a strain on them. So it's very, very important that we really fine tune our diets. Uh, we ensure that we're getting adequate, healthy fats, that we keep our blood sugar stable. Uh, we know that the adrenals, if they're being called upon excessively, it's going to lead to blood sugar instability. It's going to, you know, lead to you know, gut health integrity issues. And so, you know, I always start with diet Um, I always start with helping to support sleep. Um, You know, one of the other things that I think is really important is, you know, if we're encouraging clients to consume enough healthy fats, are they actually digesting their fats? Can they process their fats? Um, You know, this is where I like to do cortisol testing and stool testing to look for, um, you know, abnormalities in their circadian rhythm patterns, um, to look for mucosal uh, integrity issues, you know, within the mouth that may be suggested that they're having some immune system issues you know, looking at their stool mm-hmm. and nowadays there's so many great options of being able to determine if there's inflammation, if they're having trouble, you know, digesting their fats and giving them support to do that as well. Um, if someone's really dealing, and a lot of us are exposed to synthetic hormones throughout our lifetime. And I know, I know myself, you benignly, I was given oral contraceptives for years because I had irregular periods. Um, but the net impact over a lifetime is synthetic Hormones, uh, whether we're taking them uh, orally or using them systemically, as well as you know, just the cumulative impact of environmental toxins and, and food toxins. Um, that's where diet, environment, personal care products. That's a lot of what I will focus on as well. Um, and then if you're looking for specific recommendations, you know, if someone's already experienced vaginal dryness, for example, if they're in perimenopause, a really easy thing to use is coconut oil as a lubricant, but also mm. things like. Um, you know, wild game cream. Um, you know, if they're menopausal, there's other options, but there are absolutely ways that you can kind of get around that. So that still support hormones, but don't mask what the real root cause issue is.
0: Right. Right. So when you talk about that, like the preventative methods, or I don't even know if you would say preventative, when we talk specifically about the diet, what are some of the recommendations that you have for the diet? I know you talked about mm-hmm. the fat, but what else? I
1: really like my clients to consume organic meat uh, and wild caught fish. I think that's really important. We want to limit exposure to, um, you know, toxins or hormones that the fish or, or, you know, mammals are given. Um, It's worth it to spend the extra dollars. I'm not a huge fan of dairy. I know that that Mm -hmm. really, um, I sometimes get angry mail about the fact (laughs) that I'm not a huge dairy fan, but Unless you're consuming, you know, raw dairy or organic dairy, and you know that you're getting it from a good source, I I just think dairy can be highly inflammatory. Um, So we want to and we want to ensure that we're consuming plenty of green leafy vegetables. I'm a huge fan of my female clients having a big salad midday to kind of break a fast if they're if they're doing intermittent fasting. If not, I, I really encourage them to have a very nutrient-dense diet. And so things like um, cruciferous vegetables, and that's a big fancy way of mentioning cauliflower and broccoli and kale and and, and cabbage and things like that that help promote estrogen secretion. Um, you know, other things that I really think about, I know I mentioned and I touched on healthy fats, but you know, just ensuring that you're getting variety in your diet, you know, if someone's very food monogamous, if they give me a food diary and they eat the same foods every single day of the week for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then we need to kind of mm. ensure that we're mm-hmm. getting some, um, some options in there as well. And then probiotic rich foods, I think are really important for helping to promote, you know, good, um, gut microbiome. So making sure we've got lots of beneficial bacteria that we're introducing into our body. So fermented veggies are a huge, huge focus of, um, you know, work that I do with clients and either encouraging them to do their own or, you know, purchasing a good brand like wild brine is a huge, um, favorite of mine and many of my clients, cause you can get kind of unusually seasoned, um, fermented veggies, which I think is always yeah. valuable, you know, mm-hmm. things like kombucha or kefir, if you're doing dairy, um, all really beneficial, you know, what, you know, um, brined olives, um, I know for people that like salty foods, that can be particularly appealing. But, you know, really focusing on nutrient density. What I find, though, to be honest, and I'd and be curious to hear what you have with your own female clients. But what I see is people usually get very fixated on they're in their cars and we're in a very traffic laden part of the United States. People may spend an hour and a half, two hours in their cars every day on top of working a 10, 12 hour day. Right. and just have a hard time cultivating You know, time to do meal prep, but ensuring that we're doing everything we can. I have personal chefs in the area that cook for some of my clients because they just, it's like time or money. They don't have enough time, so they'd rather just pay someone to do it. But ensuring that you're just setting aside time each week, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to do that. And then lastly, I think it's important to get some high quality starchy carbs. I'm not a huge fan of hardcore. Um, you know, the outlier diets, as I like to call them, right, I'm not a fan of people um, not eating um, starchy carbs, because I do think that there's value, but it shouldn't be the focus of your diet. So if they're doing sweet potatoes or root veggies, um, or if they tolerate pseudo grains, like quinoa, um, you know, millet, buckwheat, uh, I know, despite the name, as you know, it's not wheat. right. Um, and then if they, and if they tolerate grains, I mean, I'm okay with people doing some oats, um, and doing, you know, basmati rice and things like that. But again, just being conscientious about the quality of the foods that they're eating. And I find for most of my female clients, um, you know, that are sugar burners, um, which is a term that I know, I know you're familiar with mm-hmm. for those who are not the people who are just in this chronic state of they're always hungry. If they're hungry every two or three hours, I want them to ensure they can get from one meal to the next without getting hungry, without eating stack snack. Because if we can keep their blood sugar stable, they're gonna they're going to be able to have more energy. They're not going to be snacking. They're not going to be craving junk and crap. Um, and so I think as women kind of head into this time period, dialing in on diet, you know, they just don't have the ability to eat crap that most of us ate in our twenties. Right. Um, as people get closer to perimenopause or in menopause. They just find that they can tell. Like women will say, oh, I had a weekend. I was away with my significant other or my spouse, and I ate crap all weekend, and I'm up by five pounds. You Mm -hmm. just don't have that leeway that you had before. Mm -hmm. Um, So nutrient density is a huge focus.
0: Yeah, and you hit on a ton of points that I talk about all the time, which is becoming fat-adapted and Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting and um, giving up snacking. I mean, like just huge things Mm -hmm. that I feel like make us so dependent upon food. Yeah. And that can change, so, t- to follow up with this, I know I get a lot of questions about weight gain, and this kind of goes along with it. But just in symptoms in general, if you kind of take care of one symptom, do they tend to all just get less?
1: Oftentimes, yes, you know I, I think weight gain is always is always the pain point. That's always why someone will come to me because they're worried about that. Why is this happening? I'm exercising essentially, excessively, I'm restricting calories, why is this happening? And I was explained that, you know, waking is just a sign of inflammation. So where's the inflammation? Where are you inflamed? What's going on? Um, yes, I do find that, um, and this is what I love, even as a nurse practitioner, I love the fact that something as simple as changing your diet can have such a profound impact right. on how you feel. And it, and it keeps people very compliant, If they buy into it, and they're feeling better, and they're losing weight, and they have more energy, and they're sleeping better they're gonna continue eating that way. They're not gonna to wanna to go back to where they were before because it kind of it's kind of like that negative reinforcement. If I eat crap, I feel like crap, I gain weight, I can't sleep. But if you're eating well and you feel good and you're feeling more confident, then you're going to want to continue to do that. Um, but weight gain is always the pain point. And I totally, totally, totally get that, especially for people that maybe they had, hasn't been an area of struggle for them in their life. But all of a sudden they're like, my pants are tight or I had to buy a bigger size jeans or I couldn't get into this dress that I wanted to wear to a special event. All of a sudden it just kind of brings that home of, yeah, I really did gain some weight and what's going on. Mm-hmm. So better to be proactive when they're still feeling pretty good than to wait until they're absolutely miserable.
0: Right, right, always. Okay, so when we get into this, um hormone replacement therapy tends to come mm-hmm. up a lot. What is your mm-hmm. take on that and suggestions based on those people who are thinking about hormone replacement therapy and then later I want to talk about those people who are, are on it.
1: Yeah, you know, my personal feeling and I do not take hormone replacement therapy. I always like to be very upfront about that is that it's a band-aid. It's not hitting the root cause. Um, I, I very frequently see clients who have had sex hormone testing, always with blood, not with saliva, which isn't nearly as accurate. And you know, a well-meaning provider has put them on testosterone or estrogen or progesterone, and they come to me and they're a hot mess because they're, it's almost as if you know, and this is, and having practiced as a Western medicine provider for a long period of time, I get it. This is how we're all trained. We don't look for root cause, we look at symptoms. And they're trying to ameliorate symptoms. And so they, they get something on the lab that's abnormal. And so they want to address it. What I prefer doing is ensuring that, you know, their, their diet is, is, is maximized to ensure that they're making good, healthy hormones, because sometimes that could be part of it. For example, if someone's not eating adequate fats, um, they're not going to make enough cholesterol that Mm -hmm. they're they're going to impact sex hormone production in the body. I'm oversimplifying it, but it's important to to mention that in our very, still very fat phobic culture as there's been the shift of, you know, the dogma used to be that, um, you know, fat is bad. All fat is bad. You should eat low fat and non fat garbage as we know, which is really totally inaccurate. I think that, you know, as we kind of shift from that perspective, we have a lot of people who don't digest their fats. If you can't digest your fats properly, you're not going to make hormones. So on a kind of a dialing back on simple things that we can do, I, don't, I, I specifically prefer to support um, hormone synthesis as opposed to supplement with um, synthetic hormones or you know, bioidentical hormones. And there's certainly ways to do it. I mean, the thing that's fascinating is if you look at not, not, I'm not a fan of soy and I don't know your, your, your I, feelings. I agree. On soy. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's things other than that, you know, things like, you know, natural estrogens that you can get from yams that can be very beneficial. Um, and so I think that there's other ways to go about it that don't necessitate needing to take synthetic or bio, bioidentical hormones. And having said that, I'm sure that, um, I'll get some, <laughs> some commentary about that alone, but I, I just find that there's other ways to support the body.
0: Right, right. Because when we talk about that, like give there. I mean, explain why. I mean, I think if people understood the reasoning behind that, it, it makes more sense.
1: Yeah. Um, so whether or not it's sex hormones or DHEA, you know, that's involved in cortisol production with the adrenals, um, if you, if you give a hormone or you give a precursor to a hormone without actually providing a foundational support, you can create other imbalances. Um, I'll give you one example, a really good one. There's a thyroid epidemic in, in the country, and I know this is also involved in perimenopause and, and menopause as well. But if you think about the main reason why people in this country develop thyroid issues is related to iodine deficiency, if not autoimmune issues related to Hashimoto's, sometimes just um, supporting someone's selenium needs and iodine needs will obliterate their need for um, taking synthetic um, thyroid hormones over a lifetime so just kind of looking at it from the perspective is that we know there are certain minerals that are involved in hormone production. We know that there are certain macronutrients like fats that are involved in hormone production. And if you can support those adequately, sometimes you don't need the, the synthetic version of that hormone. I'll give you one example. Um, there's a woman that I'm working with who's absolutely lovely. And she came to me and I use the term, she was a hot mess because she had been given t- testosterone, progesterone and estrogen, and she's in very menopause. And as soon as she she kind of weaned herself off of those, those um, creams that she was taking, which she will be the first person to tell you, made her feel really miserable, but mm-hmm. she was hopeful that they would work. And we started talking about the fact that if I can get you digesting your fats and if I can get you supplemented with some of these minerals that you're not getting in your diet, I bet you're going to start having this normalization of all these sex hormones. And that's actually what happened. So if we look at the root cause of... Um, why someone's hormones are imbalanced, that oftentimes can fix or can help support healthy hormone production. And that's, a, again, an oversimplification, but I think it's really important for people to understand that if we look at root cause, you, ultimately you're going to have much better results than if we're just slapping a band aid on a problem. Um, and that has pretty consistently been what I have seen both clinically um, not only with myself, but with, um, many of the women that I work with, I'm hoping that that answered your question. Um, but I I think it really comes down to, we really want the focus to be on why is this happening as opposed to let's, let's put a bandaid on it so that it goes away.
0: So what about the people who are on, I get this question a lot, who are on some kind of hormone replacement therapy, but they're kind of thinking, I would really like to get off of it. Is that wise or like, is that possible? What's your, what's your take on that? Um,
1: well, first and foremost, if you are already on hormone replacement therapy, you absolutely positively want to make sure you have a discussion with the provider that prescribed it because, you know, mm-hmm. never, ever, ever am I encouraging people to stop what what they've been prescribed. Right. Um, but I do want them to have that conversation, have that open conversation with their provider. What are my options? Because you would be surprised, um, you know, instead of taking... You know, Premarin. There are certainly other options. You know, there's you know wild yam, and and I know we've we've touched on the fact that neither of us are fans of soy, but you know there are other options for creating uh, additional estrogen support in the body. In the body, and you know there's phytoestrogens, and you know supporting things with cofactors. But what I would say is, first and foremost, you want to have a conversation with the provider that that had that discussion with you, and if you if you are seeing someone who's not willing to consider alternatives, then I would definitely encourage you to find someone who's functionally trained. Um, You know, IFM is a great organization. You know, you can get online and you can actually find um, functionally trained OBGYNs, midwives, um, you know, primary care providers that would be more than happy to discuss options. What I find oftentimes is that a lot of people don't necessarily need the um, hormone replacement therapy. They just need to have, their hormones properly, um, supported in a way or finding, you know, natural, um, estrogen mimickers like in a, in a healthy way, you know, obviously we want to avoid the artificial ones the synthetic ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lots of, um, wild yam products that can really be beneficial and then addressing, you know, the underlying symptoms. So if someone's got hot flashes, um, and they're in perimenopause, can they take things like wild yam or chase string I mean, that definitely helps, you know, as a, as an aside, I think um, chase tree is like one of those uh, absolutely enlightening um, symptom or symptoms, absolutely enlightening um, supplements that people can take very naturally. I mean, if you've got wonky periods, if you have terrible PMS, it's a very easy way to uh, address it in a in a very natural way. Or mm-hmm. if you've got vaginal dryness, or if you've got the urinary symptoms, any of those things, you can absolutely address them in a more proactive way. And so that's that's typically where I will recommend clients. Think it's it's helping support them and empowering them to know their options beyond just conventional treatment.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So so informative. I'm so happy that you're here sharing all this information.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So I know that. There are a lot of women. They're questioning, can we prevent this? And I'm on low dose forms of birth control. Like, does that have an impact on perimenopause and menopause later in the future?
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I'm not a fan of synthetic hormones, period. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole generation of us. I mean, I certainly um am in my 40s, but I probably spent 15 years on hormonal contraceptives because I was told my periods were heavy, they were irregular, this would fix things. Well, then you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. So that takes that concern off the table. So I'm completely sensitive to that. People want reliable birth control. But over time, synthetic hormones can can contribute and do contribute to um, you know, a, a syndrome of estrogen dominance. And so that may not be an issue for people in their 20s and 30s, but certainly as they get older and all of a sudden, you know, their liver is really overtaxed between the synthetic hormones and the things that we're exposed to our environment and our foods and personal care products, um, you know, our liver can get overwhelmed and overtaxed. And so one of the, the best things that people can do, if they're taking synthetic hormones, I would encourage them to have a really nutrient dense diet. I would encourage them to be doing some type of weight bearing exercise. Strength training is really important. Um, I think it's really important to make sure, you know, it, the whole mindset piece, I think, of our very overtaxed, overstimulated um, world can't be underestimated. And so the cumulative net impact on that is that it's really important that people have something that they're doing for self-care every day. You know, mm-hmm. I, always, I, always, I don't ever want to pick on the cross-fitting community. I just use it as an example of people that are very physically fit and, um, you know, they, they do very strenuous activity. Um, but, you know, making sure they find some balance. And then the other piece that I think is so important in terms of being proactive is making sure you have a daily bowel movement. I know this sounds so silly, but that's the best way we excrete estrogen um, is through our GI system. So if people think it's normal to have one or two bowel movements a week, I'm here to tell them it's not. Um, If you think about it, it's really um, a very ineffective way to eliminate things from our bodies. So just making sure that elimination pathways are open um, you know, there are really easy things you can do to support, you know, um, and I use the term detoxification because our bodies do that every day. I think that's gotten to be kind of a coin phrase, a really kind of cool, um, you know, I would say one of Paltrow's goop always has some interesting thought provoking articles right. in it. Um, people say, oh, no, I'm all into this detox. I said, well, your body does that naturally, but there are ways that you can support it. But, you know, lemon water and things like dry brushing and castor oil packs. And I won't touch much on coffee enemas, but that's more of an advanced technique, but Mm -hmm. things that you can do every day that can be very helpful. But I think, you know, the other piece, um, when we talk about nutrient dense diets is making sure your blood sugar is stable, making sure you're fat adapted, making sure you're not a sugar burner, um, making sure your blood sugar is stable and that your stress is dialed in. I think all those things, if you are ahead of the curve, it's going to be much more beneficial. Like I, I'm at a point in my life where I always say, like, had I not been as proactive as I had, how much worse would things be for me right now? Probably pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being proactive is a great is a great way to think about this so that people don't head into their perimenopause years and fear them, that they just find them to be empowering.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Ah, so good. Okay. I have a couple more questions. One mm-hmm. is, I'm always loved to break the myths that we carry so much with these topics of health, because I think there's a lot floating around that just make us live in fear. So can you break down like two or three myths that you see revolved around menopause?
1: Yeah. You know, I I think that, um, I think the biggest one that I, that I hear from clients, um, and, and I've heard from female friends and family members is that, uh, when you go through menopause, you're not going to have sex anymore. or Sex won't be satisfying or that your intimate relationship with your significant other spouse or except whomever uh, is going to be hindered. And, and so I think that there are definitely ways to to work around that and to acknowledge that as your body's changing, your needs may change. You may need more lubrication. You may need more, more foreplay as an example. Um, but that's a big one because it, it's interesting that I was reading a statistic the other day that Um, People in menopause, whether it's male menopause or female menopause, um, there are more people that are single and having sex than would be expected. So clearly people are are finding a way to get it done. So menopause does not equate with being um, asexual or celibate unless you choose to be. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing is I I have plenty of female clients um, and friends who – have hit menopause and they haven't gained hundred pounds and ballooned into you know two versions of themselves. So right. I think that, you know, as we have hormonal shifts in the body, you may acquiesce to being five pounds uh, or 10 pounds heavier than you were before. But I don't think it, you know, menopause needs to be equated with you're going to gain a bunch of weight and be miserable. Mm-hmm. So that's two. Um, and and then the last thing that I would say is that um, there are ways to address symptoms of menopause, whether it be, Insomnia, um, you know the urinary symptoms for a lot of people. It's they they become incontinent, or they have frequent urinary tract infections, or they have a lot of vaginal dryness, um, or just the issues the hot flashes. There are ways to address those symptoms in natural ways that don't involve putting you on an antidepressant, um, or involve you having to have um, you know surgery or any of the other um, things that I've seen that have been brought up with clients or I've just read about in the the late public literature or in research literature. So I think it's those three things. Like I I just don't want people to, um, to fear menopause that they're suddenly going to have to wear memos and, um, you know, give up sex and just accept that they're not going to sleep well again, or they're going to have hot flashes till the day they die. I just, I want to be, I want to send a more encouraging message. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just a few quick fire questions before we go. This this podcast has literally been a wealth of knowledge and I know so many people are gonna benefit from it from a topic that's so not talked about really and so fearful. So I hope that people enjoyed this and ask questions because I'm sure I could always get Cynthia back on the show. <laughs> um, but a few quick fire questions. What is the first thing you do every morning for your health?
1: I exercise. Mm. That's That's like my... Something I'm really passionate. My kids actually know if I if I don't, I get grumpy. Yeah, I do take <laughs> rest days, but it definitely something that's definitely a priority.
0: Okay, this is a question that goes along with that. Just from my own research, there's like some speculation that exercising, like if you have adrenal issues or maybe mm-hmm. some hormonal issues, exercising later in the day is actually more beneficial than the morning. Have you found anything significant enough to recommend that to people, or is it just like exercise and when that works for you, do it.
1: Well, I would say if someone if we know someone has HPA dysregulation or adrenal fatigue, um, excessive exercise or too intense exercise can be harmful. So that that would be my caveat. Um, I think you have to exercise based on what works best for you. You know, for me, I'm an early bird person, so it's not it's not a pain to get up at 430 in the morning. Um, I'm not a night owl. I like to go to bed early. So I think exercise or movement. Sometimes I use the word movement because I have a client who told me one time that the word exercise made her feel like she was going to have hives. So, okay, then we'll just say movement. Um, Exercise is really about what what lights you up, what gets you excited and inspired. And for some people that might be walking and for someone else it might be CrossFit. Um, But my caveat would be, you know, exercise when it feels right for you, Um, exercise in a capacity that doesn't leave you drained. And if you've got significant hormonal impact that you know of, then you need to dial in on the intensity.
0: Yes. Okay. Makes total sense. Okay. What's your favorite health book? Right
1: now I am plowing through Gabby Bernstein's Judgment Detox. Oh, and yeah. so so when I think about health book, I, I'm starting to think more about mindset stuff. Uh, and, and I think it is probably one of the most profoundly impactful books I've read in a long time because it really is changing our perspective on how we view others and um the judgments that we make and how that impacts us in a negative way so um i she's kind of one of those spiritual warriors i don't know if you've read any of her books Mm -hmm. but um i think it's good for me mindset wise so that that's what i would say is probably the book i'm reading right now that i'm enjoying the most that is health focused
0: Mm -hmm. oh i'll have to check that one out okay what's the one food you couldn't live without Avocados, yeah,
1: (laughs) avocados. I love avocados. I mean, to the point where, like, every meme on avocados, I (laughs)
0: keep enough of
1: them. Like, I just bow at the pillar (laughs) of the avocado because I think it is a like perfect food. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, it's got a good ratio, doesn't it? Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Mm, trust the process you know sometimes we don't know where we're going but acknowledge that you know it's each door opens in our lives I mean that's where we're meant to be at right at that moment so just trust the process
0: that's so good and what's the best piece of advice you could leave us with
1: Mm, never discount the ability uh never discount the ability uh for your food choices to profoundly impact your health and well-being Mm,
0: yeah yeah so good Okay, I really thank you so much for being here, for sharing this information. Again, it has been so knowledgeable, and I know it's going to help a lot of people. But before you go, can you tell us where they can learn more about you and find you online?
1: Absolutely. So my website is www.chtwellness.com. Uh, I am on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. It's usually CHT Wellness, uh, but that's where you can find me. I blog, and you know, I'm in the midst of... Um, you know, I, I just transitioned. I usually do group programs throughout the year, but I also do one-on-one work as well. Really focusing primarily on uh, females and hormonal health. That's kind of been my my niche. But my background was in ER medicine and cardiology, so it couldn't be more more different than mm-hmm. what I used to do.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all this information with us.
1: No, thanks so much for having me.
0: Wow, that show was super insightful, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I have to be honest, I knew about menopause, but I didn't know about menopause in that way. And I learned a ton and it gives me even more reassurance that that five day hormonal reset is the program for you. If you're going through anything menopause related, and if you just want to prevent it, because it gives you all the foundations that she talked about right here in the show. So again, to learn more about the five day hormonal reset, head down over to the show notes at simplewithwellness.com slash 075. And for all of the information that Cynthia and I talked about in the show, as well as how to learn more about her, head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 075 and make sure you head on over to her own blog, which is chtwellness.com because she has a free ebook all about treating adrenal fatigue. So if you're suffering with energy fatigue, if you just feeling like you don't have enough drive and desire and you're just sluggish all the time, head on over there. Her ebook is amazing and I know that you're going to love it. So again, to learn more about Cynthia and get her free guide and work personally with her, head on over to chtwellness.com. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I do have one last thing and that's your quick fun fact of the day. It's all about those hormones, of course. Okay, the quick fact is, did you know that a care a day can keep the hormonal imbalance away. I know, it sounds an awful lot like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but carrots actually have a unique indigestible fiber to help detox excess estrogen from the body. This means the liver can more effectively regulate metabolism, and these fibers are so unique among other indigestible fibers that they can bind toxins, especially these excess hormonal toxins, and carry it safely out of the body without feeding bad bacteria in our gut. So unlike other bacteria, which can detoxify and get rid of toxins, oftentimes that fiber is actually feeding the bad bacteria, kind of throwing everything out of whack, giving you excess gas and bloating. But carrots are unique in the fact that it doesn't feed bad bacteria, and in fact, it almost has an antibacterial property to it. One research named Ray Pete found that consuming just one medium-sized carrot a day for three days in a row significantly reduced bad estrogen. That is crazy, and if it's really that simple, sign me up, right? Just one medium-sized raw carrot is all you need to try it out. And what's even more interesting is that research indicates that when raw carrots are consumed for a number of weeks, they have the ability to reduce serum cholesterol by 11% and bind excess fat increasing excretion by 50%. I mean, it might seem too good to be true, but it's just one raw carrot a day. What can it hurt to try it out for yourself? So there's my fun fact for the day. I did post that over on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram at Alexa why don't you head over there and do so? I'm posting 35 tips to help reset your hormones. And these are just easy, practical things that you can add to your everyday life. So again, head on over to Instagram. It's where I spend the majority of my time. And that's at Alexa I also am doing a four-part hormonal class over on Facebook Live. If you haven't been following along over there, again, it's another great place just to learn more about hormones and regulating your hormones. So far, the classes include five commandments of healing hormones and why snacking could be sabotaging your hormones and what to do instead. So again, head on over there just to learn more information, right? The more the merrier. And the most important thing is not necessarily gaining more knowledge and living in knowledge overwhelm, but it's actually putting this into practice. So again, take those tips on Instagram, the tips that I give you on Facebook, and if you just want the more practical how-to guide, again, don't forget to sign up for that five-day hormonal reset because it's literally all bundled together into a guide that's going to work for you and a journal to make it as realistic as possible for yourself. So I hope you enjoyed that tip. Just one care today to keep the hormone imbalance away. I mean, sign me up, right? Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you wanna do one last thing to help me out, I would love if you leave a rating and review. It's so simple, takes two minutes of your time, and literally means the world to me. If you've jumped on any other podcast, you'll hear it over and over and every podcast you're talking about it because this literally is the lifeblood that keeps us afloat. Not to mention, it helps other people who wouldn't otherwise hear about Simple Roads Radio find it and listen to it and hopefully get some practical health advice that they can take to live a healthier life as well. To leave an honest rating and review, all you have to do is head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review or find me on iTunes by searching Simple Roots Radio, leave a star rating and then just simply type in a review. I read every single one of them and they mean the world to me. Again, it just takes two minutes out of your day. You only have to do it once, but it, it really is what keeps the show going. So I would be honored if you would do that. In the meantime, I hope you take some of these tips that Cynthia gave you and put it into action. Next week, we have another very special guest talking more about hormones, specifically endocrine disruptors, fertility, and so much more. So you're gonna to wanna to tune in. She's actually a previous guest talking also about hormones during a somewhat controversial subject, but I'll leave that to your guessing. So anyways, I hope you head back next week to find out more. Thanks for tuning in.